Welcome to PDX-ish with your host, Byron Beck. PDX-ish is a podcast based here in Portland, Oregon, but it's not just about Portland. PDX-ish is also about pop culture, politics, and pretty much whatever else pops up in Byron's brain. Byron talks about things you never should and asks his guests things you never would. So let's get on with the show. PDX-ish is now. Welcome to PDX-ish. I'm your host, Byron Beck. I'm here in the NetSpace space in the Bigfoot podcast studio. Uh, PDX-ish is a story about uh, Portland. We podcast about Portland and beyond, and we've gone really beyond today. Uh, we're going uh, to my favorite place in the world, even more favorite than Portland. Uh, I love a place called Paris. Um, and why we're talking about Paris today is what Portland Art Museum, what the Portland Art Museum's doing. They have a wonderful, wonderful new show that just opened up called Paris 1900 City of Entertainment. Uh, joining me today on the show are uh, two wonderful guests. Uh, one of the people who actually put together the show, Dr. Mary Weaver Chapin. She's a curator of prints and drawings for the Portland Art Museum. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I'm also invited back one of my best friends, uh, Claudine Hemingway. Claudine Hemingway is a Portlander who spends a lot of time in Paris. And uh, I would say you spend almost most... I mean, it's about 11 weeks. Yeah, it, like more time than any of us. <laughs> so we're very jealous for... She also uh, contributes to a wonderful website and magazine in Paris called uh, Bonjour Paris. And uh, she is uh, working on a piece for them right now regarding the show. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> bonjour. Uh, you speak French, right? I do. I, I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Um, let's talk about the show. Um, how did the show come to be? You know, that's a great question. And every exhibition at the museum has an origin story. Mm -hmm. And for this one, it goes back about five years um, and to 2014, when the uh, Petit Palais in Paris mounted a huge international loan show called Paris 1900. Mm -hmm. And it was all about looking at this moment in Paris's history and then on the years either side of it, uh, when Paris was really at a high point of arts and culture. Now, now, our director, Brian Fariso. I love, um, him. love him so much. Yeah, Brian's a great guy. Him. And he um, is uh, friendly with the director of the Petit Palais. And he said to him, Christophe Laribeau, he said, Christophe, this is great material. This would do so well for an American tour. Can we take this show? And it wasn't possible to take exactly what they had on their walls, which is about twice as big as what people will see in Portland. But they said, I'll tell you what, we could organize a show on these same themes, drawing from just a handful of museums in Paris, mm -hmm. if you can organize a tour. Some of my favorite museums. Uh, you, uh, Claudine, actually brought the original program from the show in Paris, correct? Yes. yes. Can you bring it out? Uh, she, uh, she, I, I'm sure Mary would love to see so this is the original uh, program yes. from the show, correct? I just found it on the last trip. On the last trip. Uh, I think it's really interesting that uh, it even happened. And it's a really interesting show that encompasses a, a, a very special time before things got really bad. <laughs> and, and it's a very different uh, 
Paris than I know. You know, the Paris I know, and I think Claudine knows, uh, is vibrant, energetic, uh, beautiful, the most beautiful city in the world. There's something quite magical about her, but I have a feeling during this time, uh, in the early, uh, what were the years again? 18? The, um, the show is, it looks at the Belle Epoque, and we bracket that as 1871 to the start of World War I, so yeah. 1914. And it really, uh, that, that changed Paris. It, it was, yeah. it, it, why was, what was Paris like at that time? Paris was a very vibrant, exciting city. Now, we think of all the bell parts or the beautiful parts, but they also had their um, own growing pains. For one thing, they were recovering from a humiliating defeat to the Germans in 1870 mm -hmm. when they lost the Franco-Prussian War. So they were trying to kind of regather their strength and compete with their rivals, Berlin and London. So there were huge infrastructure projects, the building of the metro, sewer lines, all sorts of um, construction around town. It was also a flowering of the arts. So students from all over the world were coming to study at the Ecole des Beaux-Arts and other ateliers. Uh, and it was a time of rich entertainment with mm. great variety mm -hmm. from the lowest cabarets to the most elevated theaters and restaurants. Um, I, I, we both love this movie called Midnight in Paris, which seems to uh, try to capture that a little bit toward the end of the film um, where uh, one of the characters, Adriana, Adriana ends up back in uh, the Belle Epoque. And, um, and she says, I want to stay here. This is the most beautiful era of, of Paris. Yes. Uh. And uh, I, 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 I want to know who, who were the driving forces behind that, 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 that time. Um, you know, we think about New York and how uh, the Renaissance with some of them uh, uh, in arts and, and culture. Um, but who was, who was making this happen at that time there? That's a great question. You know, I think it might be a case of momentum. Mm -hmm. So um, the Impressionists had really absolutely shaken up the art world and had started having their own exhibitions outside of the official academy. And that happens early, like in the 60s and 70s. And so they had started um, sort of shattering this monolithic view of what the arts were. And that kept going. And I think it empowered people to, uh, to take a new look. Um, other big drivers of this change, again, they date to mid-century. So a man by the name of Hausman uh, constructed yeah. huge boulevards yeah. that changed the way the city looks and um, created the Paris that we know and love mm -hmm. today. So monuments, parks, boulevards. And um, although that began earlier in the century, it was that sort of forward momentum that I really think started drawing more and more people to the city and casting Paris as the center for pleasure and entertainment. And go ahead. Well, at the same time, Napoleon, I mean, Napoleon III, he was ousted with the Franco-Prussian War. Mm -hmm. But he and Hausmann, and then it was Napoleon III who did most of the work on changing the Louvre, that what we see today. Yeah, um, Claudine's a big, big fan of the Louvre, but you've also been, uh, the Louvre did not, uh, is not part of this exhibition, but uh, there are wonderful museums that we've all, we've mm -hmm. visited, mm -hmm. one of being uh, Carnivalet. Oh, the Musée Carnivalet, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, which is now, I think, under uh, reconstruction. It's supposed to open at the beginning of next year. Okay. Yes, uh, and that's one of the reasons we were able to do the show, ah. because some of their treasures are here in it's Portland. Wonderful. 
And prior to that, they'd been in Cincinnati and Nashville. That's the American tour. So uh, oftentimes, it's only when there are these kind of closures yeah. that we benefit. The same for the Fashion Museum, also under yes. reconstruction. Oh, really? Yes. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So that explains some of this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it kind of like, uh, it's interesting. I was there, I think, on one of my very first trips to Paris. And um, I realized... Paris was not the city I thought it was. Hmm. Um, it was uh, a much more um, electric, hmm. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, and it was, and it was at this time that uh, electricity was being touted as this brand new discovery. Correct? Yes, um, it was um, at nineteen at the nineteen hundred World's Fair. There was an entire building dedicated to the wonders of electricity. It was called the Palace of Electricity, and I think it's really hard for us to understand what it was like moving from a world that was lit by candles and gaslight to a world where you could have light on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was one of these revolutionary moments that it made it seem like this whole new world was opening up. It, to me, uh, that time seems almost uh, familiar to the, uh, what's happening with our uh, uh, going from an analog to a digital mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, things that used to take us a long time are taking us less time to do. And it feels like that this uh, time, and I, maybe I'm wrong, uh, reflects a, a time when um, there was more leisure activity allowed uh, or more uh, 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 need to dedicate yourself to the arts or mm-hmm. to a more sophisticated lifestyle. Uh, I think of Paris as being one of the most sophisticated places in the world. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, you've uh, you've uh, separated this uh, this show because it's kind of overwhelming. It's a whole, yeah. uh, you've separated it into six different parts and also you've named it differently than other, uh, uh, I think it was the first museum our first museum mm-hmm. in Nashville calls it uh, one of the sections the Parisian woman and you call it the Parisian and I, I thought that was fascinating what was the uh, reasoning behind changing some of the titles of the sections and could you please tell, take us through the sections? sure um, let's start with that let's start by kind of going through and I should mention that uh, we've had a wonderful partnership with our friends at the Petit Palais and this is really their creation mm. so we've worked with them and they've given us a little bit of wiggle room to change things as it best suits mm-hmm. our audiences and the exhibition opens with what they called um, Paris showcase of the world and that really is a way for people to understand that at this moment in the Belle Epoque, and especially in this 1900 World's Fair, Paris was attracting people from all over the continent, and it was their chance to show off. So in that section, you will um, you'll see some of the infrastructure projects, the building of the metro, some of the wonderful um, balls and and outdoor celebrations, and it will introduce you to the Exposition Universelle mm. or the World's Fair of 1900. Right. And that might be my favorite part of the show because I saw things there that I'd never seen before. Um, lots of ephemera from the fair, mm. decorative fans, little jewelry boxes you could buy. I love the swag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. I love the little things, that the trinkets that you could buy. And um, I just found that fascinating. And I was just obsessed by those little things. And uh, I, I would next on my next trip to Paris. I'm going to try to hunt some of this stuff down. I'm sure it's impossible to get a little it, folded. Well, we'll need a, a lesson from Claudine on how to um, navigate the flea market oh, because yes. that's mm-hmm. where much of it was collected. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, really? Yes. And a story I like to share is that you'll see the um, the collector's name on the label. Uh, everything comes from a handful of, I think, three or four museums, except for this one private collector. And we started asking about it. And it turns out that this isn't some rich guy on a rare, beautiful apartment on the Champs-Élysées. This was all collected by the museum registrar at the Petit wow, Palais wow. on um, eBay and the oh. uh, the flea markets of Paris. So I love... What's your favorite flea market in Paris? Well, um, you know what? It's been about 20 years since uh, I've been there, so oh I imagine goodness. they've changed. Yeah. I need I need an update. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's Cla- a good question Claudine for Claudine. Claudine goes, uh, what's your favorite, Claudine? I like I like the ones that just pop up in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's not the... I've been out to Saint-Ouen... Um, but it's just a little overwhelming, and it's it gets more like you're definitely a big time collector, and it's everything's very expensive. Mm-hmm. I love but the, the ones w- that just pop up in like a neighborhood on a Saturday or Sunday. There's a couple in the Bastille just, that yeah. I'm in adore, mm-hmm. and they there are uh, ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the rest is uh, the one of the flea markets and open uh, fresh uh, produce markets is. Um, every day except for I think Monday and I love 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 it so much (laughs) and it always uh, makes me feel like I'm at a different time Mm -hmm. in Paris Mm -hmm. which always makes me feel like I'm in a different time and different space Uh, what's the next section okay so we leave um, Paris uh, the showcase of the world or the world showcase and enter into the section called Paris capital of the arts Mm -hmm. and there our visitors are going to see a really wide range of styles Mm -hmm. we tend to think of oh you know if we're thinking of French 19th century art, we immediately think of Impressionism. But that was just one style out of many. There are works that are, you would call, symbolist, realist, literary. And um, even moving all the way into the 20th century, you start to see Fauvist work. And I think the curators in Paris, their goal was to really highlight how diverse the art scene was in Paris and also how international it was. There, it's very provocative. Um, there are some wonderful works by... Uh, what was your favorite? I, you had one piece that the, you the uh, Muka Muka, yeah. Because I saw his big exhi- a big exhibit of his at the Musée de Luxembourg. Yeah. It was oh. amazing, yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. We stood in line for that, but we. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a lot of lines standing, in, and we'll talk about that in a few no, minutes because uh, Claudine right. Claudine <laughs> has all the secrets how to avoid the lines in uh, museums. Um, so after we go through um, Paris, capital of the arts, we go down our stairs, internal mm-hmm. stairs in, in the museum, and we walk into a section divided, divi- excuse me, devoted mm-hmm. to Art Nouveau. Yes. And that's everything from decorative objects, vases, fans, furniture, painting, works on paper, jewelry. It's really um, an exciting, dynamic section of the show. At the press preview, uh, you uh, shared a really interesting story on how hard it is to find this furniture or furnishings Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. most of it was just broken up. Yes, a lot of it was destroyed. Uh, Art Nouveau is a style that quickly came into vogue and quickly fell out of vogue. Mm. And so um, a lot of the furniture sets were uh, broken up, uh, discarded, lost over the years. And so we're really fortunate to have some of these intact suites because they were designed as Mm. as full ensembles rather than individual objects um, to place around the house in many cases. Um, Were there pieces that you would like to have had in that section that were just too delicate to move? 
Oh, yes, always, yeah. always. So uh, I first started working on this show about four years ago. And my first involvement, I was not the curator, I was the coordinating curator for Portland, is going through the checklist and trying to shape it for yeah. our audiences. And um, yes, there were a handful of things in every section that either you know couldn't withstand travel or had been out too much um so curators we always think of the ones that got away yeah. uh, but i hope our visitors when they walk through um, won't see anything missing it really is a wide range it's interesting because um one of the most important things anyone can do in their life is to travel and to see another culture and uh uh this is an opportunity to not leave portland and but to definitely see Paris. And I was wondering if you had to think about that filter of how an American or a Portland audience will look at Paris at that time. Uh, did you have to think about like popular artists like Lautrec, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. did you have to think about popular performers at the time like uh, uh, Sarah Bernhard? Mm -hmm. And I was just curious if you had to, you if you had to have stars in the shows, Oh. Uh, to because we're so driven as a culture here, mm -hmm. not so much over there, but we're so driven by, as a culture here by uh, having it be very easy to understand. Yes, I think that is a challenge. And um, it's sort of this feedback loop where if people only go to shows where they know the big names, then you can only do shows that have big names. Yeah. And I will say that in this show, I think the best work is not by the biggest names that people might likely know. Some of the finest paintings are by artists that I'm sure are complete surprises to a Portland audience. Please tell us a couple. Um, one of the, the works that I think is really surprising and very beautifully done is by um, an artist named Hawkins. And perhaps you remember it. He did a work called My Patron Saint. And it's um, a sort of an otherworldly image mm, yes. of yes. a woman standing mm -hmm. on a riverbank with mm. this beautiful gold halo. Um, and the way the artist combines like the supernatural light of the saint with the very real Parisian light coming through the leaves and hitting the water. Uh, was astounding. And, you know, I have a PhD in art history. I've spent years in school. I had never heard of this artist. Wow. Wow. And what painting. museum did that come out of? Uh, you know, I don't have it at my fingertips, okay. but right. I think it was either the Petit Palais or okay. the Musée Carnavalet. Um, yeah, I find it fascinating how Americans relate to Parisian culture. Um, that there's, uh, there's this kind of like Oh, it's not like it used to be. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, definitely some people have said, oh, that's not, you know, the Paris that I remember, but I think it's still, <laughs> I think it's still the same. I think Paris is different for everybody. I think everybody, you and I both have a different version oh, yes. of mm -hmm. Paris. Oh, yes, very different, very different. Um, and I mean, I think you spend is, all your time in the Louvre. <laughs> well, no, not all of it. You do. Yes. You. <laughs> um, There's uh, time on a terrace with a lot of wine. <laughs> uh, Claudine spends a lot of time in Paris, in the museums, and I'm... I, I'm sure you spend a lot of time. What is it about for you, Claudine, that that is you find so appealing about this culture and the studying its history, basically, which is what mm -hmm. we're seeing here at uh, Portland Art Museum? I don't. I mean, I'm just fascinated by the stories behind every single mm -hmm. painting or sculpture or the symbolism behind it, and especially at the Louvre because you have that period of time. You know, I've spent six hours in just like the Corbusier before, just reading everything and taking a hundred pictures, and mm -hmm. just I love. And then I come back and do even more research on the story, and you know, from Ovid and where these stories came into play, and you just don't, you know, like. I, 
there's just nothing that replaces that. And you've been in the Louvre by yourself, right? You had it to yourself. Last time, yeah. Yeah, uh, you. It's crazy, Mm -hmm. but uh, some people this are they're now doing this for some people, and it's costing ten to twenty thousand dollars to do it. Um, But I think it's fascinating that you get to spend some time in the museum by yourself. And I'm curious, Mary, if you've spent some time with this exhibit by yourself. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, really. It, with I've been in the exhibit the most with a small group of museum mm-hmm. cohort because it took us um, working full days for three weeks to get it installed. Mm. So um, it was a fascinating experience. I was there with our registrars; they're the ones who oversee the packing and shipping. With our preparators, they're the ones who get things on the wall, and then four couriers from these uh, Paris museums who oversaw the condition reports, the handling. And so this was this little team that we had an intense period of, uh, of working on Army. the show together. Yes, and it was really, um, it was hard work, but it was really instructive too because our French colleagues came with so much knowledge about the individual mm-hmm. objects. And I think they really enhanced the show. I'm thinking particularly of the curator of decorative arts from the Petit Palais. Mm-hmm who just had such a sensitive eye and we would start arranging things and he would make the most polite <laughs> hints or suggestions. And so um, his name, I've forgotten his last name. His name is Dominique. And uh, I'm just so grateful for, for him for being such a great colleague and, and really partner in the show. And there was no fighting. No, Good. no fighting. <laughs> well, you know, with the French, it's it, it, my experience because I have family over there. Is it's no, no, no. You mustn't. You can't. You shouldn't. You shan't. You, but no you know. doesn't mean no in Paris. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> we have both because I, I just so many times have heard no, no, no. They just say no first. They just mm-hmm. say no first. We did have a few moments like this. There was a definitely a thawing period where it was very formal. And then after about a week, um, when they could get a better read on us, um, there was a, a little bit more warmth and back and forth. But I have to say they were extremely polite. For instance, um, one of the couriers from the Musée Carnavalet came to me and she said, Ah, oh, Mary, are you happy with where this painting is going to be hung? Because we lean them against the walls first. And I said... I I think it could work. She goes, oh, because perhaps you'd like to consider. And then she made a suggestion on how we might rearrange it. And it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. But she was not, um, you know, she was not arrogant at all and saying this is the way you have to do it. But you could see them kind of feeling their way into the conversation. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you get to choose from each, like, because this came from a different museum and you get the whole collection and then it's just your choice of where it all goes? Or do they come with it saying... You know, oh, great question. This goes here and this goes there. They came with notes on the checklist saying which section they belong to. And um, and we followed that uh, almost exclusively. There are a few little objects that would be happy in a different spot. So there are a few things moved around. Mm-hmm. But we did have to plan everything out. We were doing this in January and February. And then we sent our proposed layout to our partners in Paris so they could see and, and make recommendations like, oh, be careful to make sure you give that sculpture enough room um, or consider this and, um, you know, keep this in mind. So, yeah, the planning begins quite early. Since you're the curator of prints and drawings, I have a, an odd question. and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. if So say um, th- this was a reciprocal situation and they decided to do a show in Paris about Portland mm-hmm. or Oregon or Northwest Art. 
what what's what's a couple of pieces or what would you want to uh, share with them oh that's a wonderful question from our collection well i would want them to know about the very vibrant printmaking scene Mm -hmm. in portland and one that stretches back decades so i would include historical material uh, from figures like gordon gilkey who was a great teacher and um, inspired generations of printmakers here in town Mm -hmm. Um, i'd want them to know about some of these small print shops that worked in a collaborative fashion like Inkling Studios. Mm -hmm. And then I'd really be proud to show off uh, the vibrant art scene here uh, from the younger artists, uh, kids coming through PNCA and uh, and the PSU programs. So it would that would be a tough call. Right. And like this show, I don't think you can represent the Portland art scene with just one medium, right. just with printmaking. So you'd want to include Portland design and Portland painting mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, to create the whole atmosphere. Um, it's very interesting. Claudine and I were having conversations about this podcast and how we would approach it. And I said, this is so much. This is so much. He said, well, we'll do one or two. We'll do, we'll, we'll, we can break <laughs> yeah. it up. But, um, but we should move on to the next section. Oh, yes. I've al- already lost my train of thought. <laughs> but um, we move from the Art Nouveau section into a section on the Parisian woman. So mm. La Parisienne. And here you see a beautiful so, work. Oh, so you know what? I'm so bad at French that La Parisienne, when they call it the Parisian woman in... Uh, Nashville, they're just, La Parisienne is a Parisian woman. Yes, a woman of Paris, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Parisian woman was an object of great fascination. So not only do we see... Yes, and Mm -hmm. still is. And I think that's one of the hardest things to sort of translate for our audience is like how this was almost this strange cult-like devotion to how a woman should look and dress and walk and behave. And it's very structured, correct? Yes. And and they glorified women on one hand, but they also put them in a very tightly controlled um, modes of behavior. Is this where the phrase the gilded cage comes from? I, mm. I, I, I'm curious because we were talking about this. Uh, this was probably your favorite section? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, I mean, I loved all there was, of it. There was this one piece that was <laughs> the, the black, art, the black, uh, the the beautiful black, the black, uh, cape. The black cape <gasps> with the feathers. That's my favorite. I would wear that today. <laughs> I yes, it was very hard to keep my hands tucked behind my mm-hmm. back when they're installing that. Oh, I just amazing. wanted to reach out yeah. and touch. So that is an example of something a luxurious object worn by the very highest classes, and also in the show you can see things worn more by the middle classes, and on the walls pictures of sort of everyday people yeah. and, and the and peasants too, uh, and people that were very. Uh, the, there was a beautiful painting, haunting painting of a young man. Uh, selling uh, violets. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I still see that happen in Paris, and to this day, you don't see a lot of it. You don't see uh, they don't have, seem to have the same kind of situation we have in Portland currently. But um, but that is such a haunting painting, mm. and such mm-hmm. a beautiful painting, and such a fragile painting. Uh, and there, uh, the Belle Epoque to me seems like a very fragile time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because what's coming next yeah, or what had, w- that they just wanted to, they were, it was like they were building, um, building foundation on very, very, uh, thin glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Paris so much. I can I just, and I love this show so much because 
of where it takes me when I'm there. Um, when I'm in the show at the Portland Art Museum where I, I, mean, I, uh, I was talking to my husband, Juan, and we were, he had come with us and I had brought some other friends and a lot of people that uh, just loved the show and um, wanted to see the show. And there was a sense of like being home Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but at home, I didn't know at home. I didn't know the Belle Epoque was a very different time. Um, let's keep going on to the yes. next section. So after we exit the, um, section on the Parisian woman, we walk into an area that we're calling streets of Paris. Mm-hmm. And that shows you what a dynamic, yep. active place um, life on the boulevards could yeah. be. So when the show, the, the time frame of the show, so it begins around 1870s, when you think about transportation in Paris, your options pretty much were to go on foot or on horseback. By the time the new century rolls around, you now have streetcars, you have um, the, the metro, and then two uh, fascinating and dangerous inventions, the bicycle and the automobile. And so I think my favorite part of that show is looking at the bicycle posters and seeing this beautiful young woman standing by her bicycle, um, really enjoying this new freedom that um, being on two wheels provided. But also, uh, horseback riding was still uh, the favorite leisure activity of, of the upper chic. classes. Very, very chic. chic. And yeah. there's a gorgeous, almost life-size portrait of a young woman on her pony. I love that painting. Isn't that great? That's yeah, by uh, Jacques-Emile Blanche, uh, yeah. the society uh, portraitist par excellence. Um, and are we, that, that's our fifth? Area? That's our fifth. And then we conclude by Paris by Night. Right. And what we hope to evoke in this section is the variety of entertainments. Um, Paris was the, uh, had some of the best theater, opera, ballet at the time, but it also was a lot of fun for slumming. Yeah. So some of the same folks you might see at the opera would also sneak to these sort of uh, backdoor cabarets in Montmartre, this bohemian district. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, you know, dance halls, cafe mm-hmm. concert, circus. Yeah. Uh, theater and fine dining. Yeah, it's funny because this is the if we're talking about the Belle Epoque, which we are. Uh, uh, this is where I think that still exists in Paris. It's Paris at night because it still feels you still feel the sense of uh, urgency to have fun, <laughs> but also kind of uh, with a tinge of history to it, or a, a, the, with it has a uh, gravitas. It just feels like there's a, there's something about walking those streets at night, those cobblestone mm-hmm. streets with uh, drag queens and uh, strange people and going in, in especially in the Marais, um, that you, it feels very much like I would think at that time what was happening in the Belle Epoque. Um, I love saying Belle Epoque. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, would you agree with me, Claudine? I think, yeah. And I think that, act, I mean, I think all versions of, there's a bit of all of Paris in, that's in the exhibit that's still actually mm. still there today. I mean, you have the, you know, the Parisian, like mm. it's very much the same as far as fashion, you know, Parisian women are, you know, they still, t- they write books about, you know, how to look like a Parisian woman or the French women don't get fat or, you know, mm-hmm. all of those books. The I think there's still part of it is, um, it's still all, it's still all there. I mean, the way that they treat the arts or even the, I mean, there's um, theaters on every corner that you know mm-hmm. they still have plays and i went to a moliere play mm. when i was there this last time and that was amazing and it's everything you know you just go down the street and here's this little door and all of a sudden you're in this grand Passage. theater yeah and so i think there's part i think the belle epoque is still 
a bit of it is still alive in Paris. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you completely, Claudine. I want to talk to you about a little bit about the Paris of today. And um, you have uh, seemed to, are there, are there, is there a lot of, um, are there long lines for the show? Uh, you know, it has gotten a lot of foot traffic, but I don't think that people will have any problems getting in okay. and moving around. It's a really big show. Okay. So um, once you're there, you'll have elbow room and a chance to kind of look at things up close. And if you wanted to go more in depth mm -hmm. with the show, you are doing some stuff coming up. I mean, you're doing some lectures and... Yes. Oh, you know what? I, I think this echoes what Claudine said about the stories that you love, Claudine, yes. at the Louvre. What I think is really fascinating about the show is that there's so many stories happening at once. So you can find your way in mm -hmm. through any number of different threads. Uh, we've put together a great lecture series with support from the Lehman Foundation. And w these give people a chance to go in depth in a couple areas. Um, I did the opening lecture on June 9th right. as an overview. And then now our next uh, speakers will look at particular facets. So we have a speaker coming to talk all about Sarah Bernhardt, mm. the divine Sarah, who was the queen of the international stage. Uh, the following speaker will be talking about um, this American, especially fascination with the Belle Epoque in a lecture she's calling The Belle Epoque That Never Ends. And mm. she's going to look at a lot of American pop culture and how do we keep this kind of idea or mythology alive through film and um, and through other practices and then our final lecture will take a look at these whole uh, kind of the we call it the world's fair juggernaut and why did these world's fairs exist and what were their sort of nationalistic and colonial motives and she's going to tie it back into our own um, time of a world's exposition and that's the 1905 Lewis and Clark exposition here in Portland. So in addition to these main speakers we also have docent tours, midday art breaks, um, programs with uh, our friends at the Alliance Francaise and uh, Chamber Music Northwest will also be doing a concert. So and lots of ways to plug in. And one of the most fascinating things I've noticed is in the main uh, area, the main uh, entrance, there is like a slightly a cafe feel to yeah good where, yeah yeah where you have this uh, image of this giant image of the uh, if tour Eiffel, and um, then you have this cafe and I feel like that's so important. Uh, where do you go, Mary, to get a little bit of Paris in Portland? Oh, that's a great question. Well, um, I'm a member of the Alliance Francaise, and um, they do great programming. Yeah, I wish I could get there more often, um, but that is um, that is one of my favorite connections. And I'm also love the film that is uh, brought to Portland through the Northwest Film Center here under my, the same roof uh, as the museum. They have done a fantastic job programming both historic French film and contemporary films that look back at that era. And there is a film that runs in the, this piece. There is a, the first one of the first films the uh, was ever created, The Journey to the Moon, correct? Yes, the this um, crazy science fiction film from, uh, I can't remember if it's 1900 or 1901, runs in our Brantley Gallery. It's only about 12 minutes long, but it's likely to be among the strangest 12 minutes you've experienced. <laughs> and I highly recommend that people see it because we have to remember that cinema was a brand new invention and people were seeing these moving images for the first time. 
Uh, Claudine, I, I want to ask you where you go to get Paris in Portland. Um, most, a lot of times at home in my books, <laughs> since I'm always reading or researching. But I mean, that was kind of why I was more most excited months ago when we first got a magazine at home saying this was coming. Um, and I was like, oh, there's going to be Paris in Portland. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to spend a lot of time there. Um, let's talk about how you navigate the lines in Paris. Let's do a little Paris primer. And uh, that you do a lot of time there, but you seem to have figured out a way to avoid... Can you just give us a couple of hints? Well, for me, it's a little easier because I'm a member now of the Louvre and the Orsay and the Grand Palais since I go and spend so much time there. It's actually, it's not very expensive. Yeah, we're, to members, actually, we're a member of Versailles. It's, so. not a, it's not very expensive actually to be a, a member. So I get to kind of, you know, skirt a lot of things. Um, but I just had some friends that were just recently there. And my big secret is you go to the Paris tourist office at the, at, that's at Hotel de Ville. Yeah, Henri it just de moved. Yeah. Um, and you could go in there and you could buy tickets to pretty much most of the museums in Paris at face value. Wow. So you could just go in there and, you know, with a list and say, I want the Louvre, the Orsay, the, you know, whichever one you want to go to, you get the tickets right there. And then once you get to the museum, you're skipping, mm -hmm. skipping the longest line of the people that don't have tickets. Nobody ever skips a complete line because <laughs> of security, but there is definitely, and that the Louvre actually has multiple doors. Everybody goes to the pyramid because that's where they see, but there's also other entrances. And so usually like I've never waited more than maybe three or four minutes to get in. Wow. So there's a lot of ways, and it's also the time of the day. Um, one of the big things is you go, if you really want to go and you're not only going to spend a couple hours, go at lunchtime because most of the tourists leave for lunch. Mm -hmm. So you go at lunchtime. You also go very early. You're a very unusual Parisian, uh, Parisian, yes. uh, because you get up very, very yes. early. Well, I love to have the, like, you know, it could be Tuesday at 8 a.m. In, in the morning, and you have the entire city to yourself mm -hmm. walking down the street. Yeah. So. Um, uh, the show... Uh, Paris, 1900, City of Entertainment. It, it will be here all summer, correct? That's right. We have it into early September, September mm. 8th. And um, and so, as you say, it's a chance for Paris to be to bring Paris to Portland. Yeah, uh, we and both Claudine and I will be going back to Paris at the end of September. Mm. I go to the beginning. Oh, you go to the <laughs> beginning. That's right. And you're there for a long time. Four weeks. Yeah, we're there for about three. Um, um, Anything that we missed that you want to share with our uh, listeners out there? A anything, you know, a lot of people are intimidated by art or art mm -hmm. museums. And uh, I would say this is not a show to be intimidated at all. If you want to a mini vacation, this is a great place to go. I, you know, I just love the way you put that because this is a very accessible show. It's a very human show yes. in the sense that you can picture yourself there. It's not great rarities hidden behind glass, but it's really a taste of French life. Mm. So you can go, if you are only interested in fashion, you can go and see the marvelous designs in the paintings, in the objects themselves, in the prints and drawings. If you go and you're only interested in technology, it's a great way to go and look at the building of these marvelous uh, buildings such as the Eiffel Tower, the Grand Palais, the Petit Palais, the Metro. There's so many different stories to get in there. If you only want to come and look at the jewelry, that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I hope people will feel really welcome and, um, and, and really able to craft their own story, their own thread yeah. that takes them from gallery to gallery. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Parents 1900 City of Entertainment could be City of Stories. And, yes. and you, yes. uh, you've really shared some amazing stories with us today. Um, I hope we uh, 
touch on everything that you wanted to touch on today. Um, I think it's a beautiful exhibit. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary, uh, for being here. And thank you so much, Claudine. Um, I think my voice is a little rough because this means so much to me. The mm. show means so much to me. I'm so ha happy that it's here in Portland. And I will be going to it several times. I'm already planning to take several friends uh, to see the show uh, and uh, let yeah, them I, see a little bit of Paris. I felt, uh, I said, to, I think I said to you when we were in there, I was like, I feel like I'm seeing my friends. Like, uh, you know, when I saw the yeah. Jacques uh, Henner and I was like telling them, I was like, oh, this is an amazing museum in Paris. It's very small, you know, but it, like seeing Rodin and seeing, mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like I'm seeing my friends that I spend so much time with in Paris. So it was great to see them here. I mean, we have, like, when I saw, came back from my first trip, I came to the museum because I was like, I just need to have some of that. And then when I saw Monet, and I, saw, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, now I feel is, better. You have yeah. a relationship yeah. with these I apologize. Artists, yeah. I did not bring a glass of wine for us. So <laughs> but I would like to toast uh, a Santé, santé. Uh, to uh, the Portland Art Museum for bringing such a spectacular show to the city. It is a must-see. It is a don't wait to go see it, go see it and then go see it again <laughs> kind of experience. Um, you'll get so much out of it and you'll understand why Claudine and myself and Mary love this beautiful city so much. Mm. Um, thank you so much for being with me today. Uh, I love you all. Anything else you'd like to say? Oh, it's been a great pleasure. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you. We've got to uh, get you back to Paris, Mary. Yeah, we got to <laughs> get you really honest. Um, so uh, I'll see you uh, again in the future. Uh, I love you all again, and uh, au revoir. Au revoir. I'm your voiceover talent, Maria Webster. Thank you for listening to PDX-ish. And a big thanks to Byron's guests, producer and sometimes co-host Mark Grimes, Bigfoot Podcast Studio, Ned Space, and Willamette Week. Join us next week for a new episode of PDX-ish. We love you all.